please, to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, well, is that, as soon as I say that, everybody knows exactly what I'll be speaking on. It's a very common passage, and I guarantee you it will not, this will not be the last time I speak on this passage. It is a passage that is very important to our understanding of our Savior, and I believe it ties in well with our uh, Memorial Day theme that we will have this weekend. So uh, if you'll turn there and just follow along with me, I'll read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Our dear Heavenly Father, I pray you uh, bless the message that I bring forward today. Please, Lord, do not let the words be mine, Lord. Use your Holy Spirit to work through me. And Lord, let your message be received. In your name I pray. Amen. As we look forward to Memorial Day tomorrow, I already spoke on it a little in the uh, opening. I would like us to remember the sacrifice of those that perished in service of our great nation. I mean, non, the sacrifices have been numerous. It hasn't just been those that perished, but those who were left behind. Those are probably the ones that bear the greatest burden because the ones that passed away, they're no longer here. They're, they're, there's no more suffering. But the ones who remain behind are suffering the loss. And um give you a little bit of an illustration. I, I was stationed in D.C. for the first part of my enlistment. And while I was there, I got the opportunity to be part of the group that did the funerals in Arlington National Cemetery. And that was a Huge honor. I totally unworthy of it. It still blows me away that I was given that. Some of the things I saw there, on average, when we were on duty, we did about two, three funerals a week. And sometimes when things were not going as well, we did more than that. And I'll ne- the one that will always be in my mind, I don't think I'll ever get it out, that illustrates the suffering of those who are left behind. There was a major who had passed away, and I believe he had three, four daughters. There, his wife was there. His wife was very distraught, as you can imagine. 
um, you have very uh, young lady. The major's youngest daughter probably wasn't more than uh, four or five years old. Her, her speech was very, about sounded like baby talk. She's a very young girl. And as we're doing the funeral and as the flag is being folded at the end, as taps are being played, this little gal um, had been running around as kids tend to do, didn't understand the gravity of the situation. And as us Marines are standing there about as 20 feet away, taps are being played, I hear this little gal go up to her mommy and kind of pull on her. She says, Mommy, Mommy, where's Daddy? That was... That it's even hard for me to keep my composure telling that story now, but that, I believe, illustrates the sacrifice of those that left behind. That mother, uh, she was overcome with grief at that. But I want to look today as I shift gears from that picture in your mind and honor the sacrifice that those men gave. I want to look at a quality that gave these fallen heroes the strength and courage necessary to pay that ultimate price that they did pay. Read in John fifteen thirteen, very familiar passage there. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. And as we just read the love chapter there, even though in the chapter of 1 Corinthians, love is not mentioned in that chapter, the word charity is used. And I believe that is for a very specific reason. I believe God inspired that for in a very specific way. And I'm glad He did. Because love in our culture is used in a variety of different ways for a variety of different emotions, ranging from good to okay to very bad. I'll just uh, give an example. On the very good side, the term that we use that is used for charity in this uh, chapter here is the Greek word agape. And that is an affection. According to you look in the Strong's there, if you have a Strong's Concordance, or um, I'm able to use a tablet which has a Strong's Concordance right in there, it tells that that word means affection, benevolence. I've heard it described by other pastors and Bible uh, teachers as a deep abiding love. It's not an affection between friends, or it's not even the type of affection, well, it should not be the type of affection that an individual has towards, say, a sport or a hobby or a profession. Looking all the way down to the other, the bad spectrum of it, um, you see a, a word I have a hard time pronouncing, um, philagura, and that is the love of money, also translated arvis, which is greediness. That is another type of love that is not, that is the love that is completely, almost dead opposite of the agape type of love that we will be looking at today. And often in our culture, love and lust, I believe the, the word love gets used where the term lust should be used way too often. Lust is a longing desire, is an eagerness or, or to possess or to enjoy. It's kind of like a young man who gets a, a car, whether he bought it himself or it was a gift, right around the time he's able to drive, and he loves that car. It's because he wants to enjoy that car, and he enjoys what that car brings him. It's, it's, and it's, it's a carnal appetite. Love, as we looked at in Agape there, is a deep abiding love. And I want to look 
at the definition of charity. The simplest definition you get for charity, um, you take it out of the dictionary there, would be is giving and expecting nothing in return. And even that terminology is somewhat perverted in our concept of the tax code of charity. Because what, what can be given as to charitable organizations, I know there's been a lot of scandal in the news lately. Uh, people seem to be digging up everything they can find as the political contests come into view of everybody's, uh, everybody else's charitable organizations trying to find wrongdoing in each other, digging up all kinds of dirt. That's not exact. Those organizations are not exactly charities because we look at them. Those organizations were designed for one purpose is to give money to a cause, whether it be good or not, whether it be good or not. Most of them are good, but you did get something in return for that money. That money was not counted against you in your taxes. And that, that's not a bad thing at all. I don't like paying taxes any more than the next guy. I cringe whenever I hear it is being raised. So not, those things aren't necessarily bad. But that's to kind of clarify and narrow down what exactly this passage here is talking about. We, it is very necessary to point out those cases where our misconceptions might come into play. So all of that was introduction for those of you keeping notes. I'm sorry I don't have the fancy PowerPoint. It is kind of embarrassing to me that our um, 60-plus-year-old pastor is better at putting together PowerPoints than I am. I won't mention my age. But for those of you that are following along, that was all introduction. So that was not a, that was not a point. Point number one, and it comes out of verse one there. It says, testimony or witness without charity is just noise. Charity is giving nothing in return. It's, you see right there, it says it. I really can't expound on it too much. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Hello, question here. Who here likes, um, those of you, did anybody play in band in either high school or as a hobby or anything like that? Anybody do that? Yes. Okay, got a couple. Uh, did anybody in particular play the cymbals? I, those seem pretty simple, but I shouldn't say that. I couldn't even grasp it. So those, eh, I don't know. Those of you that enjoy band, I guess they have a point. To me, they're annoying. A symbol just by itself, or maybe this is because, I know you can empathize with this, the sound of reveille. I really don't like the sound of trumpets anymore. No offense. That every morning at 5 o'clock, go away. So that's what our testimony is. And we are, we are commanded by our Savior to give our testimony. But if we do it without love, our testimony is just as annoying as that reveille is to those uh, military servicemen who were up till 3 o'clock the prior morning cleaning weapons because one guy couldn't get his weapon clean. No bitterness. All right, point two. You'll see, look down there in verse two. Gifts, understanding, even faith without charity amounts to nothing. Kind of catching the theme here. Charity is very important. And even moving on quickly to the third point, you see down there in uh, verse number 3, it says, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. There is no profit in good deeds without charity. Now how terrible is that? 
someone who has spent their entire life, and many people do it, giving of themselves, giving tremendous sacrifice, and because your motives were wrong or you did it in the wrong way, it amounts nothing to you. That's like, going back to military terminology here, that's like when we had to, in training exercises, take a little shovel. This is the sorriest excuse for a shovel I've ever seen. It folds up to about that big, and it's three sections. It's called an E-tool. And you pull it out and you fold it. It's about that long. And you're supposed to dig your fighting positions. Hopefully, if you're in a training exercise, your instructor is nice. If you have behaved and he gives you a somewhat sandy spot to dig. But if you have those, <laughs> yeah, you're, if you have someone who's messed up or someone who's just a demented individual who loves to torment you, which most of my instructors were, they'll find the rockiest side of the mountain for you to try to dig. And you will spend hours upon hours digging rocks, chipping rocks, busting knuckles. We had a kid, he got, he was chipping on a rock until I don't remember how many e-tools we broke. And our instructors must have knew that was coming because as we were digging there, they, and we'd break one. We thought, oh, cool, I'm out of it. I broke my e-tool. No, they had spares. So, <laughs> so there was no escape. So you spend all day digging this in the sun, terrible. If you're in a humid area, it's even worse. And then at the end of the day, you've just finally got it done. The officer, whoever comes along, oh, very good, very good, private. Fill it up, we're moving on. That's kind of how these works are without charity. It's nothing. And imagine that feeling, getting to the end of your life and finding out everything you did actually amounted to absolutely nothing. But now that we see how important charity is, we'll move on to the fourth point here. What And, the, and uh, charity is, number one, it's patient. You see there in verse number four, it says, Charity suffereth long. Interpretations of that, how you have to have patience. Um, mothers, there are many of you here. I think you all know very well how much you need to be patient. I, uh, my mother, the mother of uh, ten of us, um, I wish I could say I was her best child, but no. And my mom was very patient with me. That's what love is. Love is also kind. It is free of envy. Now you may be asking yourself, where does envy come in as far as in our Christian walk here? And how are you? Many of you, uh, maybe, you get en- maybe you have been tempted to be envy when someone gets credit for something that you have done. Or some of you have spent a lifetime maybe witnessing to a friend, classmate, someone who you've, been, you've prayed over, family member, and it's happened to me. Someone that you've prayed over and prayed over and prayed over, and all of a sudden someone else comes along and presents the message, maybe a little differently than you did, but it gets through to that person. And you should be rejoicing over that, but I'll admit my own uh, carnal nature. I was a little envious, like, God, come on, why? Charity is also humble. Now, I don't know if ladies struggle with this or not. I know men, we struggle with humbleness quite a bit. 
take a look at uh, take a look at the sports teams that you see on television. And uh, Nathan is smiling back there. He has played football even at the collegiate level. Did you? What was your celebration? Did you do? Did you play in a position where you could score? Sometimes. Sometimes. What do most guys do when they score? Dance around, yes. Now, should I ask, did you ever get that feeling? Did you ever get to do that? Oh, okay, okay. Barry Sanders. I'm young, I don't remember him. All right. Um, guys, that is not what love is. And love, many people, you'll hear them, they'll boast about their accomplishments, how much they have, how much they've read their Bible. If you've read your Bible, you've witnessed to so many people, vice, your reward's in heaven. Uh, Jesus talked about that in Matthew, when he said when you're going to pray, go into your closet. talks about even when you fast, um, topic that's not covered very often. Keep that in secret, because you're, God will see you, and God will get you your reward there. And then, if we keep, continue on reading here, what also does, it, it doesn't behave itself unseemly. It is very well behaved. It doesn't seek its own. And that's the biggest part of charity right there. And what we, I've said earlier in the message, where it said uh, charity uh, is giving and expecting nothing in return. Many of those uh, soldiers, I'll give you another uh, illustration here. Um, you can find numerous ones of these. I'll give one that I read off of a, uh, it happened in an area I was in, so uh, it's kind of impressed in my mind. A young man, corporal, was a leader of a team of uh, vehicles, about three Humvees, I, yeah, about three Humvees, five individuals per vehicle. They were fighting along the Syrian border, um, and the convoy ahead of them was ambushed and was trapped pretty bad, and it was quite a mess. And this uh, young corporal was trying to get his Marines to that ambush site, and as they're coming up on it, they get to the place where uh, the road is blocked. They can't get through. He has to order his dismounts to get out, and he goes to lead them to try to relieve this ambush convoy. So you got about three, four vehicles. You only have two individuals per vehicle that can dismount max. So he's leading about eight men against an element that has pinned down his battalion commander and his convoy. And as he's going up to this element there, they stop a group of vehicles who, they, for whatever reason, they thought, okay, these guys... They shouldn't be here. There's a firefight. Even Iraqis know to get out of there. And so they start searching them. Well, an individual, sure enough, jumps out of one of the vehicles, has a grenade. With complete disregard for his own safety, this young man, Corporal Dunham, tackled the man to the ground, the insurgent, but the grenade was thrown and it was let go. And without any regard for his own safety, he would get nothing in return for this. He jumped on that grenade and saved the lives of his fellow Marines. That is what charity is. He, and surely enough, he was mortally wounded, and he did not survive, but his men did. Now you might say, well, he got the Medal of Honor for that one. doesn't really matter. He's not here to enjoy it. He's gone. So now that we've seen what charity is, we'll move on to the next point. Charity does not fail. If you look at that, as far as leading people to Christ, prophecies, they will fail. 
you'd see in verse 8 there, it says, Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And even knowledge, whether there be knowledge, it will vanish away. Verse 9, it says, We know in part, and we prophesy in part. But at the first part of that verse there, and if you even look back to verse 7, it says, Beareth all things, believeth all things, charity never faileth. And while it is oftentimes very hard to understand, it says we know in part and we prophesy in part. And verse 10 says, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. When witnessing to others and giving your testimony, you have to remember that you don't know the entire story behind that person's life of who you're witnessing to, even if you've known them your entire life. There's always something, and I don't believe there is any I believe there's a very specific reason why God tells us to have charity debt, to love them. Because that is something that everybody can understand, and it doesn't fail. We see in verse 11, it says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And that is referring to the time in our lives when we will go on to meet our Savior. And it says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. It says, now I know in part, but then I shall know also as I am known. And coming down to the end of our chapter here, it says, and now abideth faith, hope, charity. These things, but the greatest of these is charity. And there's not much that I can add to that. And there's not much that really should be expounded upon that. Charity is the greatest thing you can have, and you should desire to have it. We looked over what it should be, or what it is. It is patient, it is kind, it's free of envy, it's humility. It behaves itself, it does does not get provoked, it doesn't think evil. These are all characteristics that I know no one here, myself included, perfectly emulates. But they are what we must strive for, because we are, is what we are commanded to do by our Lord and Savior in the Great Commission, when we are told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and to also to every nation. That's not the verse. Well, you all knew that. But I would ask you all today, um, if there are many of you here, I, I know many of you, I know most of you all have come and accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I would ask you, if there is anyone of you here today who has not done that, who does not know what it is, what Christ did. And I'll tell you about that. We see in Romans where it says that God commended His love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Many people look at the cross, okay, the cross, Jesus died on that. Why did He do that? Why did He have to die on a cross? When we read in Hebrews, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That is why Christ had to die. And I want you to think about it. There are People say that there are many ways to heaven, many different religions profess, whether it be Mass, uh, whether it be doing works, whether it be saying prayers, whether it be making pilgrimages. Very logical question here. If there is a way to go to heaven other than, I want you to not put yourself in God's shoes, but I want you to kind of take a look at it. If someone has wronged you, and the only way that they could be forgiven is for you to give of your son for them. Just for a moment, imagine what that 
how much love that would take. But I also want you to think, as a counter to all these other religions, if there was a way that person could become right with you, say through paying a fine, through traveling to a certain city, that you wouldn't have to sacrifice your own son. You wouldn't sacrifice your own son, would you? No one would do that. That in itself is testament that what Jesus said was true, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I'd ask you, um, uh, if you'd all uh, stand this time, a musician, please come forward. Uh, Jesus says,